0: at gracekettering.org. Thanks again for joining us, and enjoy the episode. Well, let's turn to uh, Acts chapter number four tonight, and uh, you do not have a handout on purpose. I want you to write down uh, a question and then write down some, uh, some, uh, some answers that you would, you would have. So you there in Acts chapter four? Before we read anything, I want to ask you this question, and I, I'd like for you to write write down something of an answer, okay? What is what is the greatest need of our church? What is the greatest need of our church? Now we can often say, hey, the greatest need of the churches in America, and uh, we can throw the ball out, you know, beyond these walls, but what is the greatest need? What is the greatest need of our, of our church? And I'd like for you to write something down on your piece of the paper there. What is the greatest need of our church? And uh, we're there at Acts chapter number four. I'll give you a few uh, seconds to think about that. Maybe you'd say it's a few things. Um, but what is the greatest need of our church? It's Grace Baptist Church. Thankful for what God has been doing here. Um, but as as we are human, we have we have needs? What is the greatest need um, that you would write down there of our church? Acts chapter number four, let me give a little bit of a background, and we'll come back to that. that uh, your answers a little bit later. But Acts chapter number four really is a continuation of Acts chapter number three. And uh, we're dealing with what happened in Acts chapter three when Peter and John went up to the temple at the hour of prayer, and they saw a lame man by the, by the Uh, the entrance to the temple, and uh, they healed him. Silver and gold, have I none, but such as I have, give I thee. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And what did he do? He rose up and he walked from that very moment. I love how the Lord deals with healing. It's very picturesque of salvation in that he gives immediate healing. And that man from that very moment rose up and he walked. And he went walking and leaping as the song goes, praising God. Well, everyone's wondering what in the world's going on, and you'd think everyone would be really happy. Most people watched uh, and looked at it, and they glorified God. God, again, through that miracle, like we talked about on Sunday morning, got the glory. Not Peter, not John. Uh, In fact, Peter and John got something else, but they did not get the glory. Uh, It was God that got the glory. And then I want you to look at chapter 4, and as they spake unto the people... The priest and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them. So this is a four-alarm religious fire, is what it is. I mean, everyone is there. I mean, all the agencies, uh, you know, the big dogs in religion are there. The priest uh, and the the captain of the temple, the Sadducees, they're all there. Why? Verse 2, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them. That wasn't nicely. They didn't tap them on the shoulder. They laid hands on them. They seized them and put them in hold, in prison, unto the next day. For it was now eventide, howbeit many of them which heard the word believed. God's word isn't bound, isn't it? And the number of men, the number of the men was about 5,000. So, I mean, the gospel is just exploding right there. It's pretty amazing. Verse number 5. And it came to pass on the morrow that the rulers, their rulers, and elders and scribes, and Ananias, the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander, and as many as were of the kindred of the high priest were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, By what power or by what name have ye done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, Ye rulers of the people... And elders of Israel if we this day be examined of a good or of the good deed to the impotent man by what means he is made whole be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which uh, was set at naught of you builders, which is become the head of the corner, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby ye must be saved. Pretty good start to the gospel message right there, right? I mean, you talk about the boldness with which Peter is now able to just declare the gospel, and he goes on declaring the gospel. So he speaks, and he speaks, and he speaks. They're saying, no, we don't want you to be speaking at all. And so looking down at verse number 18, And they called on them and commanded them not to speak at all, all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye. For we cannot but speak the things which we have, what is it, seen and heard. They were witnesses. They were witnesses of these things. Verse 24, or verse, uh, verse number uh, 21. And so when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding n- uh, nothing how they might punish them. There was no legal ground for this. Because of the people, for all men, what, glorified God for that which was done. For the man was a, above 40 years old on whom the, this miracle of healing was showed. And being let go, they went to their own company and reported, uh, uh, reported all the chief priests and elders had sent it to them. And when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, and we'll stop there. What is the greatest need of our church? Let's ask God to help us tonight. We're uh, going to study this on this passage for a few moments, and we're going to get into prayer. Father, would you guide us? We sure do need you. And I thank you that you are our creator, and Lord, that you are our Father, that tonight, by faith uh, in Jesus Christ, we can call you Abba, Father. Uh, We can come to you at any time. Uh, Your door is never closed. You never tell us to go away. Uh, You always invite us into your throne room, and you welcome our request, big or small. Uh, Lord, heavy or light, you welcome the conversation, and I thank you for that. Lord, I ask for your help in this, in this day. Here we are in the middle of the week. Lord, we no doubt have faced pressures today and this week that we don't have answers to. Um, situations, decisions we don't have answers to. Lord, I am reminded of the Old Testament. We need, we need help like J- Joshua when he was going about Jericho and leading the people. We need help like Daniel in the lion's den. Lord, we need help in this day like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when they were told to bow down before the gods of the culture, before the God of government. Lord, we need help. Lord, we ask that you would help us with your word tonight, that you would strengthen us with might in the inner man, and that it would have been good to be together in this assembly um, because of what your word has done in our hearts. And so we love you tonight, and thank you for the help that you'll, you'll give to us this evening. In Jesus' name, amen. What's the greatest need of our church? I hope that you wrote down some things, and we'll come back to that after a bit. But God has provided for us here in, in chapter 4 really a narrative not just a, a story, certainly not a fairy tale. It's a narrative that the Holy Spirit wanted us to have. He wanted us to be able to read of this account, read of Peter's boldness, and he wanted us to be able to observe through the written word the, the actions of the early church. And so we have tonight, in, in part by reading, and as we look back at the actions of the early church in this moment, it wasn't, it wasn't all high fives and, and uh, happy-go-lucky, uh, it, it wasn't all easy street for the early church. We see that. It should have been a time where everyone was just rejoicing that this man, who is 40 years old and has been lame for a good while, uh, now doesn't have to beg anymore. He can, get a, he can uh, grab a job, and he can provide for himself. He can carry himself about. But no, not everyone was happy. Uh, certainly not everyone was happy, as we saw at the, um, the entrance of this, of this chapter, that Jesus Christ was being uh, credited for this and that his name was being preached, and that salvation was being preached through his name. And so this was an easy street for the early church. And what is it that we can discover from the early church's operation and response in this situation? What can we discover, and, and what can we learn about our greatest need as a church in 2022? We're 2,000-some we're years you know, distance from this, this church that was meeting at Jerusalem, that was growing by leaps and bounds. But what can we learn about our greatest need? Let's notice first that they were threatened. They were threatened. Uh, they were threatened severely in verse number 17. But that it spread no further, they said, they, the religious leaders say, but it, that it spread no further among the people. Let us straightly threaten them that they speak henceforth to no man in this name. We don't want the name of Jesus around. We don't want him spoken about. We don't want him prayed about. And they threatened him. The word "threaten" is to utter intentions, promises of injury and punishment. So they were threatening him. We are going to do you bodily harm if you speak in the name of Jesus. It seems so innocent to say Jesus' name, but not to a person that hates his name. Not to a world religion that, that, that is despises him and despises everything that he stands for. And so they say, we're going to threaten him. Verse 18, and, and they called them and they, they, they got them together and they commanded them. They urged them, they, they, they adjured them that they would speak no more in the name of the Lord Jesus. Verse 21, when they had further threatened them, they just continued on with these these uh, threatenings of punishment and bodily injury. They let them go. Well, they couldn't. They didn't have any basis for the law, and they were up against a public. Uh, popularity you know a uh you know their their public image was going to be tarnished it was a pr situation and so they had to let them go there between a rock and a hard place they didn't have any legality on it and they they had the public that was against them because the public was glorifying god all the men the bible says there for all men glorify god for that which was done i mean god is winning big here and these religious leaders are not happy they're threatening you can't preach in his name. It's not just that you can't. We command you to stop preaching in his name. We do not want to hear it. We do not want you to, um, to pray in his name. And I, I find that that threat is becoming more and more a reality in our day. And it is, it is within families, right? It is within, it is within our public sphere, uh, every time I stand up publicly and pray in Jesus' name, I wonder what's going to happen as the backlash. Like, not that I fear the bodily injury, but I wonder about the legalities. And that's a pretty amazing thing for us to be facing here in America. Brother Cliff was sharing with me, and the reason I just mentioned that a moment ago, I didn't have this on my mind to say until uh, he disagreed with me, but he, he, was, he was called by his family, going to a family function and saying, you, if you come, do not speak about Jesus. That's real. And it's not just his family, but it's, it's, it, it happens in families and in our culture. Why? They despise the name of Jesus. It brings conviction. When you, someone is resisting Jesus, it brings conviction. I was just thinking about uh, what this month is. Uh, it's kind of interesting. Um, they call it Pride Month, right? Which God hates pride in and of itself. But I, I, I was looking... And I did, uh, I did a little bit of uh, looking as to what you know, Christians are doing during this month, and you know, there's a whole lot of virtue signaling that goes on. We should love everyone, and we should, right? And everyone can be saved, right? Right? Everyone. Every sinner needs to be saved. No matter the sin, every sinner needs to be saved. But I, I, I see this article, Why and How Christians Should uh, Celebrate Pride. Okay? Number one, we shouldn't because God hates pride. Uh, pride is one of the, the seven things that God hates according to the book of Proverbs, right? But it, it goes on to, in the, in the uh, Huffington Post, it goes on to call on Christians to repent of being against it. Being against homosexuality. And what we are seeing in our day is you can't speak in that name and you can't keep your, pos- uh, your biblical position, you have to come to our side and condone. You, you can't just respect people for who they are as, a, as an image bearer of God. You actually have to condone, you have to accept their lifestyle, you have to approve of their lifestyle in order to love. I can be against somebody and still love them. In fact, uh, parents, we tell our kids not to play in the street and we're against their will. Yet, to not allow them to play in the street is love. In fact, if you allow them to and the law sees you do that willingly and recklessly, they would probably call on child productive services because you have not demonstrated love. And uh, standing in someone's way and saying, hey, this way, this sin will destroy your life, It's not what God intended for you. Homosexuality will destroy your life and and your your health. It will destroy you. And standing in the way of that is not love. And so we are very, very twisted. And so even as you go throughout this month and see the world on full display of its pride, it's arrogance against God and his created order and how he created us. Even as we go around in that and you hear them saying, you need to be kind and you need to love. Listen, we are in the day where we're threatened by what the world sees. They do all this virtuous signaling. They set up their own moral code and they threaten you. Don't say that. Don't say his name. Don't preach against Homosexuality don't uh, just stay away from all that, and they threaten against, and we'll see more of that, no doubt, even throughout this, this month. And so as I, as I say that, I just want us to realize that the threats of the early church and the threats of the, the church that is standing on God's truth today are, are very similar. And they said, "Stop preaching in Jesus' name then, And, and what is it that they went out of the public square? Jesus' name? And it's, it's happening constantly. And so as we consider that, let's realize they were threatened, and a church that is going to contend for the faith will be threatened in this, in this day. The threats have not changed. Jesus is the one that they hate. And Jesus is the one that we love and we stand for at all times. And I think even in our own city, different reactions to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Those that say, we don't want your stuff. We don't want to hear about it. And there's different reactions. And I praise the Lord for those that say yes to the gospel, and I pray for those that say no to the gospel, and they typically do it through curse words and, and, uh, and different type of language. But nonetheless, they're a person that needs to be saved. There's threats, threats to the church here. But notice, what where did, where did Peter and John go after they left the the religious assembly, or the assembled, uh, hostile, God-rejecting religious. Where did they go after this? I want us to look down at verse number 23. And being let go, read with me from there on, they went to their own company. One more time. They went to their own company and reported all. Okay, who's their company? The church, okay? So there. I don't know how many it was, but it was their own company. They went to a meeting location, and they, they met with them. They reported all that the chief priest had said. Hey, hey, all this is, this is what just happened. You've heard about it, word of mouth, but this is what, this is what just happened. The church, as we have stated, is the call-out assembly from the world to Jesus Christ. It is made up of those who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ for the salvation of their sins and for eternal life. They've identified with with Jesus publicly in baptism by immersion. and, And this is called the body of Christ. This is who they're gathering with. They're gathering together with their company. I like the fact that you're my company tonight and we're one another's company tonight. Isn't that a blessing? Uh, and, and you're keeping good company by being in the, in the house of God and, and together with the assembly of the church. It, we are the representation of Christ on earth, not just inside this room, but everywhere we go tomorrow and everywhere we go the rest of this week. It's a body of witnesses that they gathered with. They, they went to their own company and... And these persecuted preachers did not go home and, and sit back, you know, we're going to take it easy. No, they went to their own company. There's, there's a comfort inside the, the church of God. There's a comfort inside the body of Christ. They went to their own company. And you know what's interesting to me as I consider this and their, their response during this time, and really the whole church's response during this time, because they gathered together. What's interesting to me is to watch how American Christianity has become so casual about the company of the body of Christ. And as we consider that, think about how many times we go through a trial or go through an opposition or go through a real difficult time and rather than going to the company, we neglect the company. We neglect the house of God. We neglect the people of God. And we, we think that the answer is by getting alone and away. No, that's exactly what Satan wants us to do. Get alone, get away, get isolated so you can think and stew rather than have another brother or sister pray with you or confront your thoughts and say, hey, brother, God's still got this. Jesus is still the conqueror. And friends, I urge you to provoke one another to love and good works and provoke one another to be in the company of the believers. And when you know someone's going through a hard time and they're tempted, I just don't think I want to be around people right now. That is the last thing that we should do. We see from the preachers, the preachers here who they went to the company and the company was there. Praise the Lord for that. And so as they reported it, they, they came to a very important decision. Do we go on stewing about this thing, or do we do something about it? What was it that they could do? Look at verse number 24. And when they heard that, who's they? The company. The company. You know another thing about gathering with a company? It's hard to know prayer requests. It's hard to know burdens on the heart. It's hard to hear things when you're not together. Isn't it? It's hard to share. It's hard to know about the opposition. It's hard. Oh, there is so much value inside the company of the saints. God intended it to be that way, and when they heard that, when they heard that, they lifted up their voice. Notice, it wasn't just the apostles. They lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art God, which has made heaven and earth and sea and all that is in them, in, uh, in them is. Verse 25, who by the mouth of thy servant David has said, why did the heathen rage? And the people imagined vain things. The kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the, against the Lord and against his Christ, his Messiah. Verse 27, for of a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate and the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together for to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined to be done. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings, their threatenings of bodily injury and punishment, and grant unto thy servants safety and protection and deliverance from these unruly individuals. No. That with all boldness they may speak thy word by stretching forth thine hand to heal, thine hand, the Lord's hand, to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of the Lord. of thy holy child Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together and they were all, not some, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake the word of God with boldness, with boldness. So what happened here? They were threatened, they assembled and then they prayed. They prayed. The church prayed. What did they pray? Verse 24, they exalted God as the creator. They worshipped him. Hallowed be thy name. They exalted God's word in verse number 25 and 26. Did you notice? They literally prayed scripture. One of the things Brother Gordon Dixon has been an encouragement to me about, we started a, a Tuesday morning 8 o'clock to 9 o'clock Zoom prayer meeting for pastors across the state. And uh, one of the things that has become a part of that, that prayer time is, is this, that we just pray scriptures. We pray scripture. And he, he's taught in that, and that's been an encouragement to, be, to me. Sometimes we don't know what to pray, but you know what they prayed? They prayed scripture. They took God's word and used it to fuel their prayer. Do you ever, do you ever start praying and it's like, Rabbit, squirrel, cell phone ding, coffee pots left on, man, I'm hungry. You know what I'm talking about? You know, and it seems like you get down to praying and, and it's just like, it's instantaneous. Your mind just, just winds up quick. Scripture can really help us to, to work through that. Taking the word and praying scripture. Reading down through it to God and saying, Lord, that right there, uh, you're the creator. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Father, I thank you that you are my creator. That life isn't about me, it's about you. And and I'm not the one that created you, you created me, and so it's all about you. And, 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 And praying it back to God. Notice in verses 27 through 28, they related and recalled illustrations of God's sovereignty, specifically in the life of the Lord Jesus. And so they said everything led up to, they had an understanding of Scripture, everything uh, from David and and forward, it it led up to the Messiah coming. And when the Messiah came, all these political leaders stood against them. And yet it was what happened, what was determined by you, that actually was allowed to happen in verse, number, uh, in verse number 28, look at it. For to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. Nothing happened to Jesus, but what God had already planned before the foundations of the world. And how God's sovereignty and, God, and man's free will all work together, men have tried to work those together for centuries and you know what? One day when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing it's going to be when God sets us all down and teaches us how those two parallel tracks merge. And I'm okay with them being two parallel tracks until I sit down at his feet. But they, they rejoice in God's sovereignty. We ought to, too. God is in control. And though sometimes it might not feel like it God is in control and they prayed that back to God and verse number 29 and 30 They requested not deliverance not protection. They requested boldness Boldness so that they might speak the word with confidence and power They requested this from the Lord. We need this from you in this very hour We need this from you. So in a a day where the church was threatened and where they were, the preachers were threatened with bodily harm, and no doubt the people as well that would stand in the same, in the same way, like a Stephen, uh, they prayed for boldness. Now what was the answer? Verse number 31. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken, where they were assembled, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. God answered their prayer. They prayed for boldness, and they received boldness as they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Verse 31, the answer was the, the influence or the, the control of the Holy Spirit or the intoxication, if you will, uh, taking from Ephesians 5 and verse 18 of the Holy Spirit of God. So now all these believers, not just the preachers, but all those that were there were filled under the influence of the Holy Spirit of God. What an amazing thing. What an amazing place to be where all the believers together were, were listening to the same voice. Hmm. And that's our privilege as well. They preached the word with boldness. And this is also very interesting. Verse number 32. And forward to the end. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. What do we have? Unity. Neither said any of them that um, that aught of the things which he possessed was his own. But they... Uh, they had all things common, and with great power gave the the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace notice great grace grace uh, great enablement was upon them all, neither was there any uh, among them that lacked for as many as were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the prices of, of the things that were sold. And laid them down at the apostles' feet, and dis- distribution was made unto every man according to, uh, according as he uh, had need. And uh, Joseph, who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, which was uh, is being interpreted the son of consolation or encouragement, a Levite and having uh, of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. So here's something that's very interesting. As they received the filling of the Holy Spirit of God, which... Let me just recount. We're indwelt by the Holy Spirit at salvation. That's a permanent indwelling. Praise the Lord. We're indwelt by him. He never leaves us or forsakes us. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit happens at salvation. But the filling of the Holy Spirit is something that we, uh, we can experience and should experience on a daily basis as we say no to self and yes to, uh, yes to him. Yes to God. I submit myself to you. I need your filling. And as simply as Ephesians 5.18 says, it is the influence of the Holy Spirit. It's the promptings of the Holy Spirit. As one man said, obey every prompting of the Holy Spirit of God. And so we receive that filling every single day. It is fresh power. And it's not that we get more of the Holy Spirit, it's just that we that we experience all of his power in our life. And we need that every single day. Your home needs that, my home needs that. Our workplace needs that. Everywhere we go, our world needs Holy Spirit-empowered believers. And uh, depending on, on your perspective on that, do not let those that overemphasize and uh, maybe misteach the doctrine of the Holy Spirit rob you of the blessed ministry of the Holy Spirit of God. He is the third um, member of the, of the Trinity, and his ministry is essential to victory and power and being effective for God. And so, uh, as you have the filling of the Holy Spirit, I want us to notice that the unity and love of the brethren and the, the preaching of the gospel almost go back and forth without, without transition, without a seam. Did you notice that in verse number 32? It talks about how they loved one another. They had one heart, one soul. They were sharing their possessions with each other who had need. By the There's a lot of a lot of boycotting that, that happened in that type of persecution in that city. Well, you're one of those of the way, following Jesus Christ. We're not shopping for chairs over there anymore. And so there's a lot of that going on. And so there was a great need among the believers there in, uh, in, in Jerusalem. And so they, they are sharing with one another. They're caring for one another. And then verse 33, in great power, the apostles preach. They preach the word of God. So it's just going back and forth. Between the way they're treating each other and the way they're communicating to the world, it just seamlessly worked. And by the way, when we're filled with the Holy Spirit of God, it seamlessly works. We can do what God left us here to do, and we can care for one another, and it all happens. The ministry and the life of the church goes on. And so it's pretty amazing how that that worked in their lives. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one to another. No one could look on in the church in that, in that day and, and think, boy, that's, that's a strange group that I don't want to be a part of. Uh, this was a, a group that loved one another and, and were willing to g- even give up their houses for one another. That's pretty amazing. The church's witness became more dominant, more unstoppable. As they went through persecution and as they responded with prayer. Did you notice there in verse number 24 how quickly the church got to its knees? Well, we need to go hire a lawyer. Sometimes Paul used the law to his advantage. In this situation, they didn't go hire a lawyer or or, or seek other ways to overcome the threats. They got to prayer. And what did God give them? great power and boldness so that they're excited together about what God is doing. They're loving one another and they're proclaiming the gospel and many more people are coming to the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, there's going to be a trial within the church in verse number, uh, chapter number five, but they're going forward. And why did this happen? Because of prayer. Prayer. I want us to remember the quote that I've mentioned earlier on in this year. Ian Bounds said it very well and and, and really couldn't be restated another way. What the church needs today is not more machinery or better or new organizations or more and and, and novel methods, but men whom the Holy Ghost can use. Men of prayer, men mighty in prayer. The Holy Ghost does not uh, flow through methods, but through men. He does not come on machinery, but on men. He does not anoint plans, but men, men of prayer. Nehemiah Bounds was a man that understood the, the need of prayer, and I, I submit to you tonight, I don't know what you wrote down in your papers, uh, and they, they could be needs, but I submit to you that the greatest need of our church is not just a message on prayer, and messages and series on prayer, but it is actually praying. And what's amazing to me is how many times we we will neglect it. It is it is oh it's just a prayer meeting. If I advertise Wednesday night is only a prayer meeting, I could I could bring down the numbers more. Because believers do not value prayer, we'll excuse ourselves from prayer but we don't value prayer. There is enough in this room tonight to pray and seek God and get the power and the boldness that we need to reach this city and to love one another. We need prayer. Next Wednesday night, I've asked Brother Tom to lead a night of prayer, just a night of prayer. So as you gather together, expect next Wednesday night just to be a time focused on prayer. Yes, for the upcoming outreach of Adventure Camp, but just a night of prayer. Just praying and seeking God. And Yes, it might mean having to pray, um, pray uh, several times, and you know what? That's okay. We need to seek the Lord over and over again and, and just be quiet before the Lord. But tonight what we're going to do in order to practice what we've just preached is we're going to take a little bit of a walk tonight. And we're going to pray. We're going to divide up into five different groups tonight, and I'm going to send you to different areas of our property. And we're going to ask God to work specifically in those areas of our property. We need to pray. We need God more than ever. Uh, Joshua needed God as he walked around, Jeru- uh, uh, around Jericho. Hey, if the walls didn't come down. What a fool he would have looked like. Can you imagine if the walls didn't come down? Can you imagine if on Mount Carmel, if... If Elijah did not see the fire fall down, well, as long as the fire didn't fall on the false prophets, as long as it didn't fall there, Elijah would have been good. No, Elijah would have lost if the fire didn't fall. And one of the reasons we're losing in this day as American churches and even, I'll say, for Grace Baptist Church is because we don't experience the fire falling. And you know what? Our children don't see the fire falling. They don't see the fire falling out there, but they don't see the fire falling in here. Do you remember what David says? I long to be back inside the sanctuary where I see the power of God. Our children need to see the power of God. Our teenagers need to see the power of God. And friends, it's really only going to happen when we get serious and get before God. And listen... Our public prayer is fed by our private prayer. If you become discouraged and said, you know what, I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm just going to scoot on this prayer thing. Friends, it's no wonder that we don't pray together when we're not praying on our own just between us and God. I'm not trying to get after us. I'm trying to encourage us. We desperately need prayer. We desperately need the God of prayer not just the action of prayer. We need the God of prayer. Our world's not getting better. This is a really sad month for America. We're literally celebrating what God destroyed a civilization and civilizations for. We're on really shaky ground. We need God more than ever. What a God, Lot would have sought God in Sodom. What a God that he would have gathered his family around and said, let's pray. Let's seek God in prayer. No, when he went to his family, huh, you think we're leaving our homes? You think we're leaving, You think we're leaving Sodom? Dad, you got another thing coming. You go on your way, we're going to stay right here. Nothing's going to happen to us. You know what? We lose our children right to the devilish culture. God wasn't real. God wasn't real. None of us are perfect, right? Oh, boy our children, one another within this church needs to see us really honest about our need for God. What have we said over and over? Prayer is a declaration of dependence. Dependence. You don't have to be fancy in your prayer. You just got to acknowledge, God, I need you. And I need you to do this. I can't do it. I need you to do this. And we're asking you to save souls. We can't do that. We need you to do this. We can't, we can't persuade men to be here. We need you to do this. We can't grant safety. We need you to do this. We, we need clarity to proclaim your word. We can't do that on our own. Our minds are pretty fallible and messed up sometimes and going every different direction and squirrel. Right? Well, we need your help. And so tonight as we go to, and pray... And, and just practice as a church praying. Uh, I'd like us to divide up. It could be a mixed group. So let do find five groups tonight? I'm not even going to close this in prayer because we're not done. Why don't we find five groups? Just stand up right now and get in the group. It doesn't have to be, uh, if we can just... Thank you for listening to this podcast. To learn more about Grace Baptist or how to have eternal life, visit gracekettering.org. And remember, you are always welcome at Grace Baptist Church.